you're listening to the Michael Papinjak Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first show out of our new studios in Mars, Pennsylvania. And of course, because I'm in Mars, Jason's in Mars, we are now neighbors living across the street from each other, and here we are, this is our first recording in the new studio in Mars, Pennsylvania. So Jason, how does it feel? Well, I'm looking outside and I can see my house. That's right. It's very interesting. This is a whole new... It's the best. It's a whole new experience. This is a a good setup. Yeah, so basically... Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Okay, great. Yeah, so basically we have a whole new setup that I will put on on our Instagram. And uh, I have a big brown leather couch. And it actually is a recliner. Yes, it is. I don't know if you have room to recline. Not really. Not, Not really, but... So now we are in more of a studio situation where I'm sitting at a desk, Jason's sitting on a couch, and I'm actually facing him. It looks like a porn audition. (laughs) I'm a little under the weather, ladies and gentlemen. This was a black couch. I wouldn't sit on it. No. (laughs) Yeah, so this is... Oh, I I have a text. Oh, no. I have a text from Stephanie. Oh, really? I texted her that my bedroom television is is ready, (laughs) and she goes, wow, nice. Four exclamation points. Oh. Thank you, Stephanie. That's interesting. But anyway, we we did not plan on doing a show right now, and I, it's not going to be very long because I do have a show planned. For today's show, you are going to be listening to uh, a thank you show from me that I recorded in New York, but because I was able to set this stuff up, and I have a new mixer, so I can have four people on the show now, myself and three other people. It's unbelievable. I was setting up the new mixer, and it just started working magically. Uh, I must have learned a couple of things from doing the show for almost a year. And so show 42, we'll have this on on the front of it. A little hello from Jason and I. Welcome to the new TMPS yep. from Mars, Pennsylvania. This is the new, this is the new, this is the future. Yeah. I this got, is weird. What? <laughs> yeah, just having that microphone there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it should be tilted more vertical. Ooh. Yeah, that's how it should how be. How do you hear me now? I hear you better now. You do? Yeah. Okay. I'm a novice. Yeah, Stephanie is excited about the uh, the uh, the new studio. I'm going to say, actually, we are recording as we speak. So anyway, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the show. All shows from now on will be from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, specifically Mars, from my new residence here. And the TMPS is, has a very bright future here in in the Pittsburgh. It does. In the Mars. Jason now is my neighbor, so he literally will will be able to record shows anytime. I just walk over. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I feel like recording. Like literally any, just do it. anytime that we want to do a show. Yeah. It could be like three in the morning. And it's like, I can't sleep. You can't sleep. Let's do a show. Let's do a show. We'll just do next week's content. Yeah. Today. Exactly. And we could even do like 20 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Yeah, take a break. Take a break. Yeah. Go for lunch. It's great. This is this is the future. We went to Costco today. We did. So I am, I've basically been going through the steps of uh, transforming into a suburbanite. Yeah. I have a townhouse. <laughs> I, I'm driving my mother's suburban. Yeah. Which looks like an aircraft carrier. It's so big. Like I thought there was a little soccer team here. Yeah. Like, and they all have little high C's. Yeah, little <laughs> um, um, Capri yeah, Suns. Like just a big net of like soccer balls. <laughs> but it was just you. It was just me. I was like, why do you need the large vehicle? <laughs> you realize we went and bought a TV today for you and we took my sedan. Yes. That, we could have just yes. taken this large yes. empty truck. I don't know why we took your That's very, your four-door sedan to buy a television. It's, okay. so the, it's a little more comfortable. It is. The... Um, the uh, our, the guy from the cable company came today and he told me that I had a setup for two TVs and I said I don't have two TVs I said I just have <laughs> he one, laughed, I just basically. have I just have one TV he goes well just one TV is twice as much I'm like that doesn't make any sense he goes no there's there's a promotion if you have two TVs two yeah. cable boxes there's a there's a promotion it's half the price and I said well it looks like I'm buying a new TV right so for the first time in my life I have a TV in my in my bedroom. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, I think it'll be nice. It'll, I can just lay in bed, watch TV, yeah. have a good time. Right. So, and but we did this at a Costco. I that was that was the finish of my transformation 
is you have to join one of the huge box stores. You need a dog, though. Yes, I do. That and a wife and children. But, you know, that's all, all in good time. There's plenty of them around. This is Mars PA. <laughs> Stephanie just said, awesome. All right. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the thank you show. And Jason, uh, thank you for helping me. Actually, Jason's here helping me unpack. I am. Uh, we joined Costco, or he he's he are, he referred me, so we both got ten bucks. Listen, ten dollars is a big deal. Yeah, at Costco. Yeah, it's a meal that could buy a lot of things at Costco. Listen, the people in front of us bought one thousand light bulbs today. One thousand. I'm pretty sure it was a thousand. I was like, do you own like a <laughs> chandelier store? <laughs> like, why do you have so many light bulbs? And then there was like a there was a cart next to me while you were signing up. Yeah. And it had like 600 bottled waters. Oh yeah. And I was yeah. like, who's drinking this much water? Yeah. Like there are people like, can you, that should go to Africa. Or yeah, something. exactly. Like, I feel like, like I hope you're shipping that to Africa because yeah. they need, they need like drinkable water. All of that bottled water. I mean, so does Mexico though. Sure. Sure. That's, that, that's what, Oh, that was just my, my other friend. That's what we should do. We should just go to Costco Buy a bunch of bottled water and just drive to Mexico. You know what Trump should do is build the wall out of bottled water. Yes. <laughs> like clean water. <laughs> build the wall out of something that they could use. Yeah. This is, this yeah, is our They're going to break into it anyway. Exactly. They might as well get a bottled water out of it. Oh, my God. That's so funny. It is. Dude. All right. Well, hey, Jason, thank you so much. You're uh, we're going to unpack some more. And uh, just, I can't believe we got all this I'm podcasting. I'm going to go watch a movie soon. Oh, yeah. He has a real good DVD over there. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the thank you show. And we'll see you next time on the Michael Pinchak Show. There you go. You're listening to the Michael Pinchak Show. Hey, what's going on, everyone? All right, welcome to the show. All right, this is show number... This is going to be show number uh, 42, I think. So this is what's happening. Right now, it is May 15th. And if you listen on Friday when this comes out, it is going to be May 26th. Because of the move, I'm pre-recording a show for the week that I am moving because I know I will not have the ability to actually record a show while I am moving. So this is going to be a thank you show. It is Monday the 15th. I have one week left in New York City and I thought for the week of the 26th show of May, you know, May, May 26th, instead of doing a best of show of like Jason and I, all of our good stuff, I thought I would do a thank you show, kind of a New York City wrap-up show. And I have one week left. I have spent the morning. It is the afternoon right now in New York on the 15th of May. I have spent the morning running around to Lowe's, getting more boxes, packing stuff, just trying to get as much packed as possible. My mother and sister are coming in on Wednesday this week to spend the weekend with me and help me pack and get me moved on the 22nd. And so I thought I would do a show, get as much packed as possible. And so I have something for you the week that I'm actually moving. So let me just give you a little background here. This is going to be a thank you show. I'm going to talk about a lot of things, thank a lot of people. I'm going to miss, there's tons of people to thank. I'm going to try to hit all the main people and everyone who kind of helped me along my journey here in New York. And of course, it was just Mother's Day. So of course, my mom, who without my mother, I wouldn't be able to do anything. And I just love her so much. And she's the strongest person and the bravest person that I know. And I wanted to be with her for Mother's Day, but I knew that she would be coming up to help me move, so I will be with her this week. All right, so let's go back in time to 2007 and talk about my journey to New York City. So in 2007, I graduated from Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I decided to move back to Pittsburgh, back home, because I didn't want to go to a master's program yet, and... I wasn't vocally ready or mentally ready. To be completely honest, I hadn't really grieved for my father who had died four years before my senior year of high school or five or five or so years before. And I kind of crashed and burned at the end of college. And I needed to go home, grieve for my father and deal with all of those emotions that I suppressed so I could apply to get into and go to college. So I'm back in Pittsburgh. While in Pittsburgh, I was there for five years, taking a quote-unquote year off 
turned out to be five, which was the best thing. I worked as a baker. I worked at Target for a week. It was the worst job ever. I left there to be a marketing intern with the Pittsburgh Opera, and I thank everyone at the Pittsburgh Opera for that opportunity. It was an amazing time. I worked there for a year, but then my grandfather got sick, and I had to go take care of my grandma. They lived an hour and a half away. My grandma doesn't drive, so I had to take her to the hospital to see him. He eventually passed away. I was there to help my mother with her knee replacement, my grandmother's knee replacement as well. When my grandfather passed away, I moved, packed up and moved my grandma closer to my mom in actual, like, the Pittsburgh area. And after that all settled, I met Jason Mocha, who is the, you know, co-host of this show on many occasions, and he convinced me to work at Nordstrom. So now it's 2009. I'm working at Nordstrom, and I decide at, at some point, after working there for several months, I don't think it was a full year, nine, ten months, I'm not really sure, that I had to get back to singing opera. And at that point, I had been studying with Douglas Alstedt, and I thank Douglas from Carnegie Mellon University. Thank you so much for preparing me for my auditions for CMU, for Manhattan School of Music. And you really got me vocally to where I was able to get into these programs. And of course, Doug really wanted me to go to CMU, and I was excited to go to Carnegie Mellon. It's a phenomenal school. But when I got into Manhattan School of Music here in New York, even Mr. A said, Mike, you got to go to the city. And that was the exact quote, the city. If you're, if, you are, you're, if, you're, if you're a musician, or really if any profession, and you have the opportunity to go to New York, the center of the universe, this is the place to be, and especially for opera and music, and it was the right move. It was scary for me. I had multiple anxiety attacks over it, but in 2012, my mom and I packed up her Suburban, and we drove to New York to move me into the dorm at Manhattan School of music. Now, what, what led me to, to kind of make this change was I had started seeing a psychologist in, in Pittsburgh. I realized that after, you know, you know, so basically, why did I go home? Lots of reasons. One of the big reasons was my younger brother was in high school, and I felt like he needed someone to help him through high school. And, uh, and kind of be there as like an older male figure in his life, you know, with our father gone, and, you know, just kind of be there for my mom and help out the family, and uh, however, after I felt like I accomplished that, uh, helped mom with her knee replacement, helped my grandparents when my grandfather passed away, and my grandma with her knee replacement, her knee, re- her knee replacement was a disaster, she got a new knee, and then it got infected. They had to take it out. She was in this nursing home rehab facility for a very long time, and I was kind of unemployed at that point, just helping my mom drive her this and there and visit her and do this and do that. I had left Pittsburgh Opera to just do all of this stuff, and there was a time where I wasn't working. I was just helping the family. But after all of that settled, my younger sister was transferring schools, and she took a semester off. She was trying to get to a certain place in life. And after I felt like I had helped my mom, helped my younger sister, helped my younger brother get through high school, you know, Danielle, my younger sister, is doing phenomenally well. Larry is a genius. He's doing great. Not that that's anything to do with me. It's just they're doing so well now, and I felt like for those five years that I was home, I was kind of there to maybe help them out a little bit. I think I taught my younger sister how to drive in those five years. I taught Larry how to drive, you know, you know, rocket in the free world. You know what I mean? You know, driving is just, uh, you know, uh, it, you just got to gun it and run it, okay? But anyway, that's my driving teaching style. Rocket in the free world, gun it and, <laughs> and run it. And if you ask my family, that's exactly how I drive. So anyway, all this dust was settling, and I was working at Nordstrom, and I realized that I was happy. I had friends. I had a place to go. It was kind of like, I've said this before, it was kind of like going to school. I had my friends there, Jason, Chris, Fruwald, you know, all these people, and it was like, uh, you know, it, it was, um, was kind of like going to class and seeing my friends. We'd have lunch together, but I got paid, you know, and had to do like a little work. But I felt like my life had no direction. I wasn't singing anymore. I was working at a mall. You know, making not a lot of money, still living with my mom, 
I just felt like you know there there has to be more more to life than what I'm than what's going on. Like I didn't really see any way forward. Like am I just going to be selling shoes until you know at Nordstrom till I'm fifty? So I started seeing a psychologist, and um, uh, he I really have to thank him. I'm not going to say his name, but I really have to thank him because. You know, you can listen to your family, your siblings, your parents. They can say, get off your ass, get a job, you know, do this, start seeing again. But sometimes, you know, they're, they're like so close to you. And they're your, they're your parents and your siblings and family. And sometimes you need that, that opinion, that outside opinion. Someone that just is looking at your life that doesn't know you until, you know, you start talking to them and they start getting to know you. Who can just like look at, at your existence, at your life from outside you know, because they're not, people who are really close to you, they, they might not be able to see, what's that saying, see the forest for the trees? I have no idea what that means, but I think it's applicable to this situation. And he really, he helped me get my mind focused. He got my mind focused, Doug got my voice focused, and I got myself ready. I auditioned for Manhattan School of Music, and I got in. Which I really, like, could not, like, could not believe I, I, I really couldn't. I hadn't sung for five years. And Manhattan School of Music is a major con, a conservatory. Like Juilliard and that, you know, major singers go in and out of that, of that school. They have phenomenal teachers, great staff. You know, they train opera singers. And I was like, holy heck, here we go. Let's do it. So, I, of course, a huge thank you. Major, major thank you to Neil Rosenshine. Neil Rosenshine was my teacher at Manhattan School of Music, and uh, he also taught me uh, for a year or two after I graduated, and he's kind of now turned into more of a mentor. I have another teacher now who I will thank in a little bit, but not to say that Neil isn't my teacher anymore, but you know, so- sometimes you, the relationship um, evolves into something else. Where Neil now, I feel if I have something, a question, if there's something I just don't know, something about the business or something about my, my, my instrument. If I feel like an aria isn't working out. If I feel like I don't know if this sounds good. I can trust Neil's ear and his opinion. You know, the, the, the thing about studying with someone like Neil Rosenshine is he has a PhD in life. He has a PhD in what it is to be an opera singer, meaning he lived the life. He did it. He sang everywhere. He sang with everybody. He knew Pavarotti. He knew Franco Corelli. He knew Domingo. He he knew them all. He has stories about them all. The Metropolitan Opera, La Scala, everywhere. He sang everywhere with everybody. Chicago, Kirita Kanawa. And without Neil, I wouldn't have done any of the singing that I was able to do here in New York and beyond. Not only did Neil discover that my... See, what Neil does is, yes, he teaches technique, but what he does is is he finds your instrument. Because that's the point. You know, you can try to mimic Pavarotti, but there's already been a Pavarotti, and you're not going to sound like him. You don't want to sound like Pavarotti. You want to sound like you. He's like, let's find out who Michael Papinchak is. Whose voice is that? What does that voice sound like? And he found it. He found that voice. And it surprised me and everyone around me that there was this instrument there that had never been tapped before. Now, I was also 27 at this point, getting older. I wasn't 23 anymore. You know, there's a big difference between a a 23-year-old voice and a 27-year-old voice. And even more of a difference between a 27-year-old voice and a 32-year-old voice, which is me now. Now, that's for my voice type. I don't know what it is with women, sopranos, baritones. I'm not really sure. But I know for tenors, you know, uh, my my teacher in college, Karen Lee Post, who, of course, Karen, thank you so much. Because without you and Lawrence University, I would have never had the foundation that was able to get me to New York and Manhattan School of Music. But Karen's uh, husband, Brian Post, uh, the late Brian Post, and Karen, I'm so sorry to hear about Brian. He, him and I became very good friends. And I would, he, was more, he was a mentor to me when I was at uh, Lawrence University because, you know, it's good for a tenor to talk to another tenor. You now, it's a very special kind of voice type to be. It's, you know, Neil Rosenshine 
calls us the Navy SEALs of opera. There's not a lot of us, and we got to go in and do like the really hard job. It's a scary job. But anyway, Brian told me when he was young, I think he was at the Met coaching or doing something. And Pavarotti walks by, and Brian is a, was, was a tenor. And the coach said, uh, Maestro Pavarotti, please, I want you to come in and hear this, this young tenor, Brian Post. And Brian told me Pavarotti came in, Brian sang for him, and Luciano goes, Brian, you need to get older. Huh? You must get older. And then he walked away. Meaning, you have the voice, you have the potential, but you don't have the age yet. You have to sometimes grow into your voice. So I was 27 years old. I was growing into my voice. I had Neil guiding me through that and, and getting that going. And I, Neil, it, there's just no way to thank you enough. And without Neil and all of his guidance vocally and in the mentor capacity, I would have never met Mitch Piper, who was now my manager. And my first year, Neil was like, Michael, you're going to sing Tamino in the summer program that's run by a former student of mine and former opera singer, Mitch Piper. And I said, okay, I mean, I guess. I don't know if I really can sing Tamino, excuse me, sing Tamino, but let's see how it goes. So I eventually met Mitch. I sang for him at some point. I don't remember the exact um, audition when it was. I mean, this was a while ago, 2012. Now it's 2017. I don't remember the exact circumstance, but I don't know if I sang De Spiltness or whatever I sang from Tamino from the Magic Flute. And uh, he goes, sure, let's uh, let's talk and we'll get you in, you know, get you go, go to Siena, Italy. So my first year of my master's was a little rough. And I thank Neil for helping me get through it. I got uh, very sick. I was sick for a long time, like six months, sinus infection after sinus infection. And I just think it was being in New York with all the pollutants in the subway and, you know, holding on to the subway, uh, you know, bar, you know what I mean, to hold on. And then you rub your nose, you, you sniff your nose, and all of a sudden you've put all this bacteria up in your sinuses. I got an infection after infection. I was sick, sick. I had a drop out of a show. It, I, it was a huge thing. You know, I felt like I had ruined my whole relationship with the opera studio. And it was just like, I felt like after six months, I had to leave New York. I had failed. You know, my, 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 health, my health failed me and I couldn't physically be in New York City kind of like if you're climbing Everest how some people even if they have the the strength like like the physical strength like like they could bench you know they can run uh, marathons that, that doesn't mean their body can acclimatize to being tw at 29,000 feet you know there are professional climbers who just can't climb it because their body can't handle it and then there's people like Rob Hall who can go up and down all all day or like Reinhold Messner, who can do it without oxygen. You know, everyone's different. So I thought, maybe I just can't physically be in New York City. My allergies, my sinuses, my immune system just can't handle the pollutants. But Neil got me through it. And eventually, I regained my health and was able to have a very successful, I think, successful career at Manhattan School of Music. Yeah, I, I wasn't an opera studio every semester. I wasn't the big star. I wasn't part of the, you know, Donovan inner circle of her... Uh, of her favorite singers and and whatnot. I, of course, while I'm doing this, my phone is is blowing up. Of course, no one texts me during the day, but as soon as I start to do a show, uh, you know, people are texting me. Of course, but it doesn't matter. It's just friends of mine, you know, asking me how things are. But anyway, so yeah, I, I wasn't part of the the big stardom there. Um, I wasn't in any of the brochures or the reason why people came to see the operas. But that doesn't really matter. You know, I, I don't, I wasn't interested in being a star at MSM. I want to be a star in the world. I want to be an opera star at the Met and at La Scala and, and Covent Garden. And, you know, you know, I mean, hey, if you were the big star at MSM, that's nice. But no one was, was paying you. It's, you know, if, if 10 years later you haven't sung since then, then, then what, what, what good is it? But anyway, so by the time I was out of MSM, I had, uh, taken a year to do auditions with any opera singer listening to this knows about yap tracker i was addicted to yap tracker which lists all the young artist programs yap young artist programs in the world and you can go on there and apply and you have to pay for it i think it's a yearly fee or a monthly fee i'm not really sure you have to pay to be on it and uh, it's a service it's so if when pittsburgh opera hears young artists or the metropolitan opera hears young singers they put the application on there you could submit your videos your audio your resume your headshot etc 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 
So I, I hit it real hard. It was my first season. I was, what, 29 or something? I hit it real hard, and I was able to go to the Maryland Opera Program, which is one of the best programs in the country for young artists. And I felt like, wow, I really hit it. Like, I did one season, got into one of the best programs, and boom, that's it. Like, you know, knock it out of the park. And I haven't gotten into a yap since. I was like one and done. There are people who auditioned for years and years waiting to get into Marilla or Santa Fe, and, and which is the other great one. And I, I was like one and done, man, one and done. And I just I have to thank everyone at Marilla so much, especially Sherry Greenwald and Mark Morash. Um, I mean, Sherry and Mark, they just, uh, you know, I'm considered like a young Heldon tenor, right? A young, like dramatic Germanic tenor will one day sing lots of Wagner and Big Verdi and stuff. And, you know, there's not a lot of work or support for a voice like mine. These young artist programs, they want Mozart singers. They want little Puccini singers and lighter Verdi. You know, they want to be able to throw you in a Rossini opera or a Mozart opera. And, you know, I can't sing that stuff. It isn't my voice type. It's not the right sound. I can't uh, navigate the tessitura, um, which is how the vocal line is written, like where it sits, et cetera, et cetera, all that music jargon. And I was just so thankful that Sherry and Mark and the Marilla family took a chance on my instrument and said, listen, this, you know, they were like, you should just sing everything that John Vickers, you know, ever sang. Like you just, whatever John Vickers did, like that is your voice. And they had told me in the audition that they had dealt with big voices before and this kind of voice. It's not the same as a young tenor who's going to sing a Rodolfo. Like the other three tenors who were there with me, one was a Leggero who sings all the high Rossini stuff, and the two others were, I don't know what you would consider them, uh, like lyric tenors, like full lyric tenors, I guess. I'm not really sure the exact category, but they could sing They could sing things like, uh, you know, Donizetti and Puccini and, uh, you know, Verdi, like La Traviata and stuff, you know, maybe not Otello yet, like I will sing one day maybe, but, you know, that kind of thing, like the one guy singing Rigoletto and La Boheme, and the other guy did Don Pasquale, and, you know, in the thing, one of them did uh, Johnny Schicchi, Puccini, you know, those kind of tenors, that's what everyone wants, because they're versatile, and that's what everyone loves, Puccini and Verdi and all that, but that's not really my instrument, so I just thank them for taking a chance, and they allowed me to sing my first Wagner, uh, which was the Annunciation scene from uh, Die Valkyrie, from the Ring Cycle by Wagner, and, uh, you know, it was... It was just really nice to have someone willing to give me that shot because I just didn't know. I mean, I had done other summer programs. I had done Mitch's summer program. I'd done Neil's summer program. I'd sung Tamino and a bunch of other stuff, scenes from like Ida Mineo and uh, I'm trying to think, oh my God, there was so much. A Falstaff scene, I was Dr. Caius, did a little character tenor work there. I mean, I wish I had my, my resume out to just, you know, be able to thank everyone specifically during these summer programs. I mean, so much great music was made. Um, the Cunning Little Vixen, you know, worked with lots of great directors and conductors and Michael Rossi, Maestro Jackson, uh, uh, Pat Diamond, he's a director. Uh, I mean, I can't even remember. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could remember everyone's names, but there's just so many great artists. Like, this is why you come to New York. You get to work with the best of the best, basically, here. All these great directors and uh, musicians and conductors and singers and coaches. It's, uh, it's almost hard to, <laughs> to thank everyone and name everyone. Uh, Scott Rednauer, Jorge Parody, uh, you know, two of the coaches I worked with at Manhattan School of Music. And, but anyway, um, you know, Neil led to Marilla and getting to know Sherry and Mark and, you know, allowing them to, you know, sing Wagner. And then I got to sing... Captain Ahab from Jake Heggie's Moby Dick opera in the grand finale with the orchestra in the San Francisco Opera Hall. And I got to coach with Jake Heggie, who's from San Francisco, or at least he lives there. I think he's from there, but he lives there. I mean, I'm working on Captain Ahab from Moby Dick by Jake Heggie, and I'm having a coaching with Jake Heggie. That would be like doing La Boheme back in the day and coaching with Puccini himself. And he, he goes, is there a pianist? And I said, I don't, I don't know if there's a pianist coming to the coaching. He goes, don't worry, I'll play. So not only was Jake Heggie in the room, he was playing his own music. And, what, and the saddest thing that happened was I had that music in my bag, and my bag was stolen. This was, not, this was years later here in New York. 
I had the music with all my markings that I got from Jake Heggie, from the composer, and that bag was stolen. So lost forever are my, my directions from Jake Heggie. And that's sad. I hopefully one day will sing Captain Ahab, but Jake Heggie's not an old guy. He'll be around, hopefully, to give me all those markings I'm again, and even more. But Marilla was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. It was, uh, along with Siena, Italy, which was the first summer program I ever did was in Siena, Italy with Mitch Piper's Santa Music Festival, which now has been moved to Trentino, Italy. But Siena, Italy was probably the best summer of my life for a lot of reasons. I sang really well. I did Tamino. I got to work with uh, Renata Scotto. I had met Mitch Piper, who is now my manager. Um, I fell in love twice. It was it was Italy, you know, cheap Italian beer, sitting in the compo. I just it was just the best. It was just the best summer. And then I did another summer program as well, which was also amazing. Before Siena, I did uh, with Neil Rosenstein's summer program at, at, at Manhattan School, which was also phenomenal. And I'm just sorry, I'm I'm getting a little nostalgic right now, like a little I don't know, like I'm in love all over again, like I'm back in Siena. I. I'm sensing, I'm feeling myself back in the compo. And, you know, with it was just the best. It was the best. It was the best. I mean, these these past five years in New York, I, I, I it's, it, well, first off, they flew by. I can't believe they're over. Because when you're listening to this, I will be back in Pittsburgh. I, I will be moved. I will no longer be in New York. When you're listening to this, I will be gone. I'm still here now. I'm recording in Manhattan. But when this show comes out, I will be in Mars, PA. And I have to say, it's uh, I'm getting a bit emotional just thinking about how great these past five years have been, and they've completely changed my life. I would have never done any of the things that I've done if I didn't come, come to New York. I wouldn't have done any of it. The, the people I've met, the places I've sung have been, the voice I was able to find inside of me, but anyway, all of that, my, my time at Manhattan School, led me to meet Mitch, led me to Marilla, and then after Marilla, I came back to New York and Mitch Piper signed me to his roster. And that led to something that really is very special to me. And even if I never sing opera again, let's say I move back to Pittsburgh and get a job and just say, Mitch, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I'm retiring. I'm no longer going to be an opera singer. I will be able forever to be happy to know that Mitch was the man who allowed me to make my operatic professional debut in my hometown of Pittsburgh, PA, as the first Jew in Zolome. That will always be very, very special to me. And Mitch Piper, thank you so much for making that happen. I didn't even ask for it. You know, I've said this before in the show. I never asked for it. I, I didn't even know Pittsburgh was doing Zolome, or there was a role for me to sing in Zolome. I had no idea. I'd never heard the show before. Didn't know, didn't know anything about it. Knew it. I knew it existed. I knew it was written by Strauss. But I didn't know that, you know, the first Jew was doable for me as a debut. I made some real money. It was a real gig. I'm in Agma, the union. I got to sing with Patricia Reset, uh, Bobby Brubaker, all these great singers, the young artists, the former young artists. I mean, it was unbelievable, you know. And Mitch, thank you so much for that. I also want to thank just real quick because I did meet her at Manhattan School of Music. She's, I have a list here of people to thank. She's further down the list, but I, um, I'm just going to thank her now. But Amanda Mason... When I, when I got to um, Manhattan School, I lived in the dorm, so I'm going to thank some friends here in a little bit, but most of my friends were from the, the uh, dorm because, you know, I'm around them all, all the time, but my one really good friend, someone who's very special to me that I met who wasn't in the dorm is Amanda Mason, and of course, all of you TMPS listeners know her because this show was her idea, and she was the original co-host of TMPS. And Amanda has been one of just my very best friends and has been someone who I, 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 she, I care deeply about her and I wish her, she's now in Arizona pursuing a career in broadcasting. I wish her all the luck in the world. Um, I, I wish I could have seen her before she moved, but with our schedules and I had to go back to Pittsburgh and she had to move to Arizona, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we crossed paths. I was coming back to New York and she was leaving and oh well. But we had one last brunch together at Almond and had our little mini biscuits and uh, it was great. But um, Amanda, I just want to thank you for everything, for being such an amazing friend, for convincing me to do this podcast, for going to me, going with me to the to B&H to get all the equipment, for co-hosting, for just being an amazing, an amazing, an amazing person. You know, Amanda, you're always going to be very 
dear in my heart. And I hope, even though I'll be in Pennsylvania, you'll be in Arizona. I hope that at some point we'll be able to get back together and hang out. Maybe I'll just come down to Arizona for, for a little bit, or maybe I'll see you on TV. I'll see you on the news. But, uh, but Amanda, thank you so much for everything. And I wish you the very best with everything. But I'm going to go back now to, you know, back to the dorm, back to living at, at Manhattan School. You know, as an opera singer, I have a lot of opera singer friends. And it was nice living in the dorm because I was able to be with a lot of different people. Um, and that, you know, that, that, that's nice because, um, you know, you talk about something other than opera. Like last, you know, last night I had my, my uh, going away party or on what was a Saturday night. And it was a bunch of singers. And so guess what I talked about all night? Singing, which is fine. It's fine. But still, when you put a bunch of singers together, that's all you really talk about. And so, so I was lucky to have this group of friends in the dorm, and we called ourselves the Wolf Pack. And this was Jason, Danny, and Alec. And Jason, Danny, Alec, and myself, we were this four group of friends who we were just inseparable. We did everything together, and it was fantastic. And, you know, Alec moved back to, I think, Kansas, started teaching piano, phenomenal pianist. He's now married. Dan, I'm not even sure. I think Dan's back in New York. He was in France for a little bit. He's a violist, you know, great guy. And Jason, I think Jason's still in Manhattan. He's a classical um, guitarist. So you had a classical guitarist, a violist, a pianist, and a singer. That way, we could talk about music generally, but it wasn't like like when I'm with my singer friends where we just talk about operas and people and, oh, my God, did you hear them sing? They were, like, so flat in rehearsal. Like, she can't even sing at all. Like, why why did she even go to Juilliard? Like, how did she get in there? I mean, it's just on and on and on and on and on. Like, blah, oh, my God, who cares? Worry about your own voice, you know? I mean, you know how many people try to sing opera and never make it? They, they just go to law school. They, they, or they become, I don't know, something else. They get married, have some babies, you know, do something else with their lives. It's very few actually make it. I might not make it. I've, I've spent all this time and money going into opera, taking lessons and coachings and degrees and masters and bachelors and Demerla and Neil and Mitch. Maybe I'll move back to Pittsburgh next week and just decide after a few months, I'm never singing opera ever again. Or if I if I do go back to it, maybe I'm maybe I'm not good enough. You just don't know. But I love seeing like right now because you know I'm like five years older than most of, of my friends, and I had a little success going to Maryland stuff and making my debut. But I'm also 32. Like I'm in that slot of it's time to get stuff going. Once you hit 30 in opera, at least for most singers, if you if it's you need to start doing stuff. You need to get a manager, start working for real. But my friends right now, they're 26, 27, and they're starting to get things going, and I'm just so proud of them. They're getting young young artist programs. They're getting gigs. They're singing. They're with this company and that company, and it's just fantastic to see. Because you know sometimes they they get a little down, like oh I didn't get anything this this audition season, or I only got chorus, and it's like give it time. You have to get older. Listen to Pavarotti. You just have to get older. No one's going to take a 26-year-old singer seriously unless they're like the greatest singer in the world, like like a Nadine Sierra. Look her up if you don't know who she is, Nadine Sierra. She's on the wall of the Met right now. I don't, I don't even think she's 30 years old yet, but she's a special case. She's a lyric soprano who has been trained by the best of the best her whole life. She did Marilyn at like 21, Adler at like 22. Like, you know, she just, she had that, that trajectory, that she just had it. She's like an Olympian. You know, to be an Olympian, like an Olympic gymnast, you, you, you have to start like when you're like three months old. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but you got to be young. You, you got to start young. It has to be your whole life. I, I knew a girl who dropped out of high school she moved to like Lake Placid because she was going to be an Olympic kayaker or some crap. Well, if you want to be in the Olympics, that's your life. You know, get get homeschooled. That's how Nadine was, from what I understand. And I know she's not listening, so who cares? But anyway, I'm happy to see that my friends are having some success. And uh, so I also want to thank... I want to thank my friend Mayan. Now, Mayan, I'm giving you a special shout out because one, you're a wonderful person, and I'm so happy that you and I met 
through our really good friend, Melanie, who also, Melanie, thank you for being such a good friend. I met Melanie in Siena. Like I said, one of the greatest summers, if not the greatest summer of my life. And Melanie and I have been very good friends ever since. And uh, Melanie is one of my friends who's having a bunch of success right now, and I'm just very happy for her. And uh, I don't remember the exact circumstance, but Mayon moved to New York at some point, and Melanie introduced us. You know, just because Mayon had just moved here, she, you know, here's another friend that you can have in the city. And um, and uh, and Mayon and I became really good friends, and Mayon started studying with a new teacher. And my birthday was coming up, and I wanted to see one of my favorite tenors, Johann Bota, the late Johann Bota, in Der Meistersinger von Nürnberg at the Met. And my aunt and I were talking, and uh, it was on my birthday. The show was on my birthday. So I asked my aunt to go with me to the show because, you know, I wanted to buy two tickets. I didn't want to go alone. She goes, great. So we meet at PJ Clark's for dinner before the show. And she goes, Michael, I have your birthday present. Now, my aunt didn't bring any bags, didn't bring me a gift. And I go, okay, what's my birthday day present? She goes, I just started studying with a new teacher. And this new teacher just so happens to also teach Johann Bota, who interrupted one of Mayon's lessons. So my present was Mayon got her and I backstage at the Met after Meisterzinger to meet Johann Bota. And Mayon, I just, I mean, I, there's not even words to thank you for that experience. You know, this is why you live in this city, because you just never know. You know, I mean, I think of all the... I, I just saw Glenn Close, Alex King, who has co-hosted the show. Alex King and I went to go see Renee Fleming in one of her final performances of Der Rosen Cavalier at the Met. And we're walking in, you know, showing our ticket, and right next to us is Glenn Close, who's little, by the way. She's short. I didn't think she was like 6'5 or anything, but I don't know, in movies... She has such a presence. You know, it's like Meryl Streep. I met Meryl Streep in Italy. She's little. She's like five feet tall. So was Glenn Close. Not very big. But anyway. So, my aunt and I, we see Meisterzinger. I had never seen it before. It's one of my favorite operas. It's like six hours long, but it's a phenomenal show. We go backstage, and we go up to the tenor dressing room. You know, it has Bota on the door. They have little nameplates. And uh, I, I, I hear, you know... I hear like singing in there. I'm thinking he's singing in there. He just sang for six hours and he's singing in, in his dressing room. So I knock on the door. He goes, just one minute. But anyway, long story short, we, we go in, we're talking to him. You know, he's eating these cheesy puffs on in a cup. On He's giant, by the way. If you don't know who Johan Bota is, he's just like the biggest human being like, like you would ever meet. He's huge. He's eating cheesy puffs in this cup and they're going everywhere on the floor I'm picking them up I'm like oh my god he's talking about singing giving me all this advice well I I thank I'm thanking my on for that and Johan Bota because those two got me to David Jones who I consider my current teacher who really is a master at teaching the young Heldon tenor voice and the Heldon tenor voice in general I was able to study with David I was able to observe Johan's lessons meet Johan he invited me to sing with him in Vienna to I mean to study with him in Vienna and all of this and that. And then, unfortunately, Johan got sick and passed away. I think he was like 51. But I was very lucky to, the following year, meet Johan after Tannhäuser because him and I became Facebook friends. And him and I went to dinner at PJ Clark's until uh, like 2 in the morning because, you know, Tannhäuser, again, five, six hours. And it's just um, I will never be able to replace or match the the advice that, you know, Johan gave me about what it is to be a young singer, you know, just an unbelievable guy. And I'm very lucky that for the rest of my life, I will have had even that short amount of time with Johan Bota. Uh, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. There'll never be a voice like him again, but I'm um, just so sad of his passing. But again, thank you, Mayon. And of course, thank you, David Jones. Now, David Jones, who, you know, if I stayed here in New York for more more years and stuff, you know, he is my teacher. He's who I would go to to learn technique and stuff. And he really, um, Neil took my voice to a certain level. Uh, David took it to a, a different level. And I think it's because David just has experience with the, the, the held and tenor voice. You know, Neil was able to just teach me Don Jose, Verter, because that was his, his bread and butter. And he also did Peter Grimes, so he would have probably helped me with that as well. But 
you know, when I brought my Valkyrie music into him, you know, Neil really didn't have much to say about it because he's never sung it. You know, I don't know. I don't even know if, he, if he's ever seen it. Where, where someone like David Jones, who works with Johann Boat and other Heldon tenors, he deals with these things on a daily basis. And that's, it's just about, you know, what, what is your specialty? You know, um, if you're a linebacker, you're not going to spend every day with a quarterback coach. You know, uh, when I got to Manhattan School, I was kind of training as like a full lyric, like a Verter, a Don Jose. But as I got older, my voice fit much better into Der Freischutz and Die Valkyrie and Parsifal and Lohengrin. And for that specialty, I needed someone new, and that person new was David Jones. And uh, um, also, I want to thank Joshua Green, who was my coach, who prepared me for Merla, and I got his name from Mitch. And if you're if you're an opera singer and you specialize in actually anything, Germans, Wagner specifically, but really anything, He's an assistant. He's an assistant conductor at the Metropolitan Opera. Joshua Green, phenomenal coach. Coaches at his place up here. I think it's like a 100 in Broadway. I'm not really. I don't remember. I, I know how to walk there. See, that's how New York is sometimes. I know how to get there by foot, but I don't necessarily know what cross street it is. I just know. Okay, you go down and you see the Ben and Jerry's. Okay, and then you cross it. Then there's the subway. That and then all of a sudden you're like there. That's sometimes how things go. I can't tell you the exact street. But I can tell you, it's 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 I think it's near the Pinkberry. Da, 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 da. So so anyway, <laughs> so of course I want to thank Joshua Green and uh, David Jones and all the more recent mu- musical people in my life, and uh, and you know even though even though I was banned, even though I was banned, I do want to thank Mexican Festival and Cafe Tachi. And, um, you know, Tony, who, who owns Mexican Festival, and Juan Del Bosco, who invited me there for the first time to sing opera, uh, that was a really special few years in my life when I was there every Friday night doing the karaoke, singing opera. I met so many amazing people, such a great time, was able to work out so many arias there and and just, I mean, it was just a blast. And I know politics got in the way, but you know what? At the end of the day, it, it, it's all crap, you know? Just if you're able to go and have fun and drink some margaritas and sing some opera and do some karaoke, you know, let Trump and Clintons, and let them deal with themselves. It's terrible that it, it came between us, but I understand it. It's not a big deal, you know? Uh, I, I really, you know, I, I don't want to get into it, but... I do want to thank Tony and Juan and everyone from Mexican Festival for, you know, bringing me into their family for the time that I, I was and, you know, um, basically allowing this white boy to sing some opera and, and run the karaoke and just really have a phenomenal time. And then, of course, of course, through Juan, um, that's Friday nights on Saturday nights. I used to plug, you know, Cafe Tachi, Papillon Bistro and um, Leopoldo and everyone there. You know, another phenomenal place to go sing and see opera. And, you know, after school... You know, after Manhattan School ended, I kind of, um, uh, I stopped, you know, the, the wolf pack kind of broke up. And in a way, it wasn't like a, because um, we said so. It was just Alec moved back home. I think Danny went to Paris and Jason did his thing. And I was doing my thing. We, 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 we weren't living in the dorm anymore. And so, you know, Cafe Tachi and uh, Mexican Festival became my social life and my, kind of support group after Manhattan School. And a lot of my current friends, the people that I hang out with now, I met because of Mexican Festival and Cafe Tachi. And, uh, you know, I I basically spent all week looking forward to Friday and Saturday nights. And, um, of course, I also want to, uh, you know, say thank you to them because they introduced me to two wonderful ladies from Mexico, Victoria and Victoria, and uh, their mother and daughter. And I want to thank them for their friendship and, you know, uh, they were just phenomenal, you know, really great people who just became fast friends. And I had such a good time there. I'm thinking about going there tonight. I'm thinking about it. I'm meeting a friend for, for dinner. We haven't made any, like, real real plans yet. I'm thinking of going to Mexican Festival one more night. 
I was thinking about maybe going Friday, but now my mom and sister are coming, so we might be seeing a show Friday or going to dinner Friday, so I don't want to book anything for the weekend. But I was thinking about going to Mexican Festival just one more time, sneaking in, getting some margaritas, my favorite, a frozen coconut margarita, getting some fajitas, and just kind of spending one more evening at Mexican Festival. You know, I mean, that kind of sounds like I'll never be back ever to New York. I'm sure I will be back to New York at some point. But for right now, the place for me to be is Pittsburgh. And, you know, I just went to go talk to my super a couple hours ago because I had to hand him some papers from the moving company, something something to do with insurance. And he goes, you know, do you have a good job in Pittsburgh? You happy to move? And I said, well, you know, Eddie, um, I'm moving because I really want to be close to family. He goes, stop. That's enough. It's the most important thing for you to do. Family. I am so far away from my family, and I think I shouldn't have memories of my family. I should be living with my family. That is all you have to say to me. You go be with family. And he just went on and on about how important it was to be with family. And this feeling came over me, this just overwhelming feeling that this is the right decision. And it, it has been the first moment since I've made this decision where I felt 100% like it was the right move. And all I needed to do was talk to my superintendent. You know, yeah, you, you live in New York. Yeah, you have a nice apartment. But at the end of the day, what good is it when you're not with your family? And I'm lucky where I have a loving and caring family who I enjoy being around. I know people who can't wait to be away from their family. And that's fine. Hey, everyone's different. Whatever. But I have a loving and wonderful family who I love being around. My siblings are my best friends. Really. You know, if I need to talk to someone, I just text Danielle. And I'm like, Danielle, what's going on? What, what, what new music do you have for me? How's medical school? I'll, I'll call Larry. Larry, what's happening? What robot are you building today? You know, if I'm worried, anxious, in trouble, I, I'm not in trouble. What kind of trouble am I getting in? None. I call Nicole in L.A. Nick, what's going on? How's the movie business? What celebrities being an asshole this week with their contract? They're my best friends, you know. And I know Nicole's in L.A., but Danielle and Larry will be closer in Pittsburgh, and Nicole will come back from time to time, or we often will go out to see her. But it's time to be closer to family. It just is. And, you know, you're, when, you, when you hear this, when this is released, I, I will be there. I will be in, in, in Pittsburgh. Right now I'm in New York, but I will be there. And, uh, and of course, lastly, a huge thank you goes out to everyone here in my apartment building. Uh, I was very, very lucky to live in such an amazing building. And if I ever move back to New York, I won't do it until I, I could live in this building. I, I just want to thank Eddie, the superintendent, Andy, who is the handyman, and Emil and uh, Rodney. Oh, you know, I shouldn't start naming all the doormen because I'm going to forget them all. Bob, you know, they're just such great, great guys. I Sorry, I'm playing with, with my pen because I'm, like, nervous right now. I'm anxious. A lot's go- I'm emotional. A lot's going on right now with me. You know, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's, it's manopause or something. But, like, I'm, I'm getting a little emotional, flustered, this, that, happy, sad all at once because so much is happening. So much is changing. So much is going on. And I'm playing w- with this pen to kind of keep my my mind off of it and I just threw it across my desk but again I want to thank everyone here I'm in the building my my neighbors who don't mind me singing opera actually my neighbors here have always loved the fact that I was an opera singer and uh, I want to thank them for that and uh, I want to thank um actually I want to thank this um this young woman Liz who I just met a few weeks ago uh she came to look at my apartment she lives upstairs and she was thinking about moving um I'm into it and uh Liz is somewhere in her 30s we're around like the same age and and her and I just became like instant like really good good friends and even though we're really only going to know each other for a few weeks I mean we'll probably still text from time to time but I just want to thank Liz a lot for being kind of this great friend in the past few weeks of my time here and someone who I just have felt really close to so quickly and able to talk about my feelings her feelings this and that she didn't end up taking my apartment uh, but whatever, there's all kind of cir- circumstances f- for that. But um, I just want to thank Liz so much for being such a good neighbor. And, you know, there were times where she would come down here to hang out. I would go up there to hang out. And it was just nice for my last few weeks here having a really good friend in the building who I can talk to. And, and it's funny because sometimes we talk on the phone even though she's only, 
you know, nine or ten floors up. <laughs> we talk on the phone. It, it's it's it, it's kind of funny, but it's just how it is. And uh, so, Liz, thank you for being such a good friend here at the end of my time. And I'm sure we will, will remain friends through the years. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you so much. This is a short show, not a long show. No co-host, just me thanking people. And sorry if I forgot you, a friend or a colleague or a teacher. It's there's two. This is like an Oscar speech. This is listen. It's it's almost been an hour. This is why they 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 uh, cut Oscar speeches off because there's too many people to thank, and there's just you know no way to thank them all. And um, but again, you know, thank you, mom. Thank you, family. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, everyone who's been supportive of me here in New York, who has heard me sing, who has liked my voice, maybe who hasn't liked my my voice. Thank thank you. I mean, I've read the 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 reviews you know uh you know he should he should be a plumber oh thank you so much i'll take that into consideration but anyway um thank you everyone and new york goodbye it has been a wonderful five years i will never forget them i you you rank right under the four years that i spent in college i still think those are my favorite four years of my life college was awesome i had friends i had a girlfriend it was great I ate everything I could drink and wake up the next day and, and run a marathon where if I drank last night today, I would sleep till two in the afternoon. It is true, people, young people who are listening. As you get older, you just can't drink anymore. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. Ask them, ask a doctor why. But, uh, you know, Liz and I've talked about this. You know, we're both in our 30s and it's like you have a couple drinks and you spend days hungover. It's, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Like, I just want to have a couple drinks. It's not because I'm an alcoholic or anything. I don't necessarily like drinking. It's not like I wake up and go, I can't wait to drink. It's just sometimes when you're out on a Friday or Saturday, you want to have a couple beers and relax and hang out with your buddies, watch some hockey, you know, do this, that, and the other. But then you pay for it the, the next day. But anyway, thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for, for listening. And, you know, I, I got to thank New York because w- w- without New York, I wouldn't have this show. Without New York, there'd be no Amanda. Without without Amanda, there'd be no inspiration for the show. And without the inspiration there and B and H, there'd be no equipment for the show. So thank you, B and H. Thank just thank you. Thank you, New York. Thank you. Thank you for the amazing five years. They will not be forgotten. And I'm saying hello to Jason. I'm saying hello to my family. I'm saying hello to Mars PA. And I'm saying hello to the next let's say five years in Mars or in Pittsburgh or wherever I decide to be. Maybe in a year I'll come back to New York. Who knows? It's up in the air. It's all in the future, and I can't wait to be there. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. Just thank you. Thank you for listening to me ramble on thanking other people. All right, so let's let's get to it here. If you want to see the show, anything about the show, videos and stuff, go to www.tmpspodcast.com. You, you can email the show at themichaelpapinchakshow at gmail.com. You can go to facebook.com slash themichaelpapinchakshow, twitter.com slash tmpsofficial, Instagram at tmpsofficial. And again, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, there's only one place to get a, to get a Lexus. There's only one, okay? Don't go anywhere else. Go to Lexus of North Hills and see the best in the business, Jason Mocha. At 15025 Perry Highway, Wexford, PA 15090. Call them up at 724-940-1400 or email Jason directly at jmoka, M-O-K-A, at lexusofnorthhills.com. And if you need any custom tailoring, we're talking about custom here, okay? Nothing in the store. You want a garment specifically made for you with the fabrics that you want. There's only one place to go in the Pittsburgh area. That is Chico Taylor's Custom Tailoring up in Butler, PA. At 133 West North Street, Butler, PA 16001. Call them at 724-287-5814. Email them directly at info at chicotailors.com. Chico is spelled C-I-C-C-O. Over four generations of experience goes into every garment. Now, when you have your new Lexus and you have your new custom clothing, then you have to call up Sarah Miller. Why do you have to call Sarah Miller? Because she's going to take a photograph, okay? Sarah Miller Photography. www.thisissarahmiller.com S-A-R-A-H-M-I-L-L-E-R Family, Wedding, Fashion, and Commercial Photography. Listen, thank you, New York. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I can't believe this is happening. 
but a new journey is beginning in Pittsburgh. And so guess what, everyone? Hello, Pittsburgh, and thank you for listening to The Michael Papinchak Show.